All right, Acts chapter 19 this morning. You can ignore what it says in your bulletin because I changed my mind again. Acts chapter 19, and uh, we're going to uh, look at just the first five verses of Acts 19. I want to talk to you about what's with all the water. What's with all the water? Because we do have a little bit of water here this morning. So let's talk about that. Acts chapter 19, let's start reading in verse number 1. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this passage. We thank you so much for your word. I pray this morning in these few moments that we spend in it that you will guide us, that you will give us clarity of thought. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Help me to say only what I should and not anything I ought not. Help us, Lord, to be uh, as clear as we can be with your word. And I pray that if there are those here that have questions about these matters, that, Father, this will help. And I pray if there are those who have never trusted Christ, they'll see the importance of that as as a step before baptism. And I pray, Lord, for those who today are going to follow you in believers' baptism, that they'd find encouragement and strength and understanding. Uh, in, in all that is said here today. So guide this message. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we have mentioned, and this is quite obvious from the huge tank in front of me this morning, at the end of our service today, we are going to watch and we are going to rejoice as several follow the Lord in believer's baptism. This, this first step of Christian obedience, which the Bible does call baptism. And it just occurred to me that some may uh, actually wonder what baptism is. It's possible that there may be some who are here today because uh, a family member is going to be baptized, and maybe uh, maybe you, you have some questions about that. There may be some here who have uh, varying denom- denominational backgrounds, and maybe you've been taught different things about baptism. And so uh, I think this morning it would be good for us to clear the air on that and just talk a little bit about the truth of baptism. What is it? Why should we do it? And what does it mean? As well as what does it not mean? I shared one other time an illustration from a book called Knowing the Face of God by Tim Stafford. And he told the story of St. Patrick in the 5th century. And he said this, and I, I quote, he said, sometime during the rite, uh, uh, well, I, I started too, too late there. He was telling the story of, of a king who was baptized by St. Patrick in the middle of the 5th century. And now I'll quote. He said, sometime during the rite, St. Patrick leaned on his sharp-pointed staff and inadvertently stabbed the king's foot. And after the baptism was over, St. Patrick looked down at all the blood, realizing what he had done, and begged the king's forgiveness. Why did you suffer this pain in silence? The saint wanted to know. And the king replied, I just thought it was part of the ritual. And I I told that story so poorly that I'm not sure you understood what happened there. But he was baptizing the king, and he stabbed him in the foot. And the king silently endured it because he just didn't understand what baptism really was. He was confused about what was taking place. And I think many are today. There are a lot of questions, a lot of disagreements, a lot of different things that are done in the name of baptism. For example, at what age should people be baptized? At what age? Does a person need to be totally immersed 
In a few moments, we are going to totally immerse some people in this monstrous tank of water. Does a person need to be totally immersed, or can they be sprinkled? Many churches just sprinkle people and call it baptism. If they are immersed, do they need to be immersed one time backwards or three times forward? How many of you have ever been in a church that baptizes three times forward? Some people expressed some nerves this morning to me beforehand about, I'm a little bit nervous about going to the water. Imagine if you're going in three times forward. Uh, That's the way some churches do it, which is right. Is the formula to be in the name of Jesus, or is it in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost? Different churches have different views on things even as trivial as that. And then, of course, what about this baby thing? What about this baby thing? Are we supposed to be baptizing babies? What do you think about that? And most importantly, does baptism save us or not? If I die having never been baptized, am I going to hell? If I die having been baptized, am I assured of heaven? What does the Bible teach? You know, one result of all the confusion that exists around this kind of thing is that some Christians just decide, okay, it's it's, it's so confusing, it, it must just not be that important. And so they just kind of ignore it. We have a lot of believers today who have never followed uh, the Lord in believers' baptism. And I think that's one of the reasons they come to recognize or think in their own mind uh, that it's just confusing and it's just not that important. But I think the Bible teaches it's very important. And so I want us to clarify it as much as we can. We are Friendship Bible Church. That means all we care about is what the Bible teaches. We don't care about what some denomination teaches. We don't care about what any man says from a pulpit, including myself. All we care about is what the Bible teaches. And so what we want to do this morning is to look at some passages of Scripture and try to determine what does the Bible teach about baptism. Now, we've looked at one, and I want us to consider that passage just for a second. In that passage, you saw a group of people who had been baptized previously, but they came to understand that they had not been baptized properly, and they had not been baptized scripturally. And once they understood the truth of that, they were baptized again And rightly, in a few minutes, we're going to see a group of people who are going to come. And some of them are going to be probably uh, able to relate to that group of people. Because maybe at some time previously in their in their past life, they've had some experience of baptism, whether they were sprinkled in another church or maybe they were baptized before they were saved. And now they recognize that they need to be baptized afterwards. Uh, Somewhere along the line, they've concluded that their previous experience was not totally biblical and they want to do it right. And I say, praise God for that. Hallelujah for that. That will be some of them. But there will be others in the group who are of a different uh, experience. They will be new Christians, having just recently been saved. And uh, their experience would be similar to another passage. Let's look over at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And I suppose if you want to put a note in your Bible about the key passage in the Bible to understanding baptism, it would be Acts chapter 8. I, I don't know where else you would go that makes it clearer. But here we see an experience of a man who would be similar to those who have just been saved. Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 8, starting verse 26. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. 
The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. I want us this morning to use this passage and the one we just read to try to clear up some of the perhaps misconceptions and confusion about baptism. What is baptism? When should we do it? And what does it mean? So let's think about that just for a minute this morning. First of all, what is baptism? And there's not a whole lot of uh, necessity to spend time on this. It's this, this a very simple answer, what baptism is. Uh, it simply means uh, to immerse somebody in water. That's the simplest definition that you can come up with for the word baptism. It means to immerse somebody in water. Now, uh, one caveat this morning, and that is that I'm talking about water baptism. That word is also used in our Bible of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's a topic for another, t- another day. We're not going to talk about that today. So everything we're saying today is about water baptism. And when we're talking about water baptism, the word simply means to immerse in water. The word baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means literally to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge. The word is used of vessels that have been sunk at sea, completely submerged under the water. It means to cleanse by dipping or submerging. It means to wash or to make clean with water, to wash oneself or to bathe. It means to overwhelm. The word baptizo has been used in the textile industry uh, of dyeing cloth. And, of course, anybody who's dyed cloth knows that you have to get it completely underneath of the dye in order for the dye to completely uh, infuse all of the cloth. And so it simply means to immerse somebody in water. That's what baptize means. And and, and I've said it before. I, I believe it wholeheartedly. Words mean something. And if the Holy Spirit has any knowledge at all, and and do we think the Holy Spirit knows what words mean? I think the Holy Spirit knew what words to use when he inspired men to write his word, and he chose that word. If he used a word that means to immerse in water, to completely submerge in water, then I humbly suggest that's exactly what he meant. It means to immerse in water. Now, those who are familiar with the history of this church, and if that sort of thing interests you, you can go to our website and you can see a little bit of an abbreviated timeline of the history of this church. But uh, if you're interested in that and you, you know anything about it, you know that for a long part of our history we were associated with the, uh, the disciples of Christ or the Christian churches. And uh, that, uh, that group of denominations, there's a couple of them that are, that are in that same kind of a, of, of a movement. They all have a common history, and it's oftentimes referred to as the Restoration Movement. It was headed by Alexander and Thomas Campbell and uh, Stone Barton, and, or Barton Stone, or something like that. Well, Alexander was one of the founders of that movement, Alexander Campbell, and he was, uh, he was insistent that we should not say when we baptize, I baptize you. He was insistent that we use the word immerse 
And if you look at his writings, it's always immerse. I immerse you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And interestingly, all kinds of sparring and silly arguments broke out between him and the Baptists of his day, because the Baptists of his day says, we, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And he said, no, 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 it's I immerse, I immerse you. And they mean the same thing. They were arguing the same point, because that's what the word means. That's what it means. If we look at that second passage that we just read in Acts chapter 8, it clearly indicates to us, does it not, that immersion is meant here. Aside from the meaning of the word, if we had nothing else but the meaning of the word, baptizo means immerse. We had nothing but that. The imagery here in that passage shows submersion, uh, immersion. Both of them went down into the water, verse number 38. Both of them came up out of the water, verse number 39. So I don't want to belabor it. I don't want to uh, beat that point too much this morning. But uh, what is baptism? Baptism is the immersion of a person in water. That's what it means. Second question, when should baptism be done? And again, I think it's quite clearly explained in the Bible that baptism, to be biblical baptism, should take place after a person has trusted Christ as their Savior. Ideally, it should take place immediately after a person trusts Christ as their Savior, as it did here in Acts chapter 8. And as we see, it did an awful lot in uh, New Testament times. You read what took place, people, were, people would uh, receive the word, and they were immediately baptized. And so it takes place after a person has trusted Christ, after they've been saved. And perhaps, some of you are asking that question we mentioned earlier. You're saying, well, Pastor, I, I've been in the church, or I go to a church, or I'm part of a, of a denomination that baptizes babies. What about that? They baptize babies at a certain age when they come to a certain uh, place in their life. It's nothing to do with believing. I saw a gospel tract one time. It was entitled, What the Bible Teaches About Infant Baptism. And if you open up the tract, it was completely blank on the inside. And it's absolutely the truth. There is nothing in the Bible about infant baptism. It is a fiction. I have a pastor friend who serves in a church that, that believes and teaches that. And I'm not trying to crack on, on, on people who have that kind of a belief. I know that there are some very intelligent, very smart people who disagree with me on this. I'm just trying to tell you what we believe and what I think the Bible teaches. But uh, this pastor friend and I were having breakfast one morning, and he, uh, he takes that position. He knows I don't. And so he was rather militant about it. And he was trying to drive home his point to me. And finally I said, okay, brother, well, let's, let's go to the Bible and show me from the Bible uh, an example. And he said, oh, there's all kinds of examples. I said, show me one. And, of course, there is none, and he could not show me one. Here at Friendship Bible Church, we do not baptize babies because we don't believe it's scriptural. We do, however, make a practice of dedicating babies, and we do believe that's scriptural. That's something else entirely. There's no water involved in that practice. When my children were babies, we carried them both to the front of the church and uh, dedicated them to God. And... Uh, we promise to do our best to raise them for the glory of God. We promise to do our best to lead them to Christ and to raise them in an environment where they would come to know Christ. And God helping us, we dedicated them to Him. And the church, in turn, dedicated themselves to help us in that task. You know, I think that's an important thing. Christian parents ought to do it. They ought to dedicate their babies to God publicly. But that's not baptism. That's not baptism. Baptism is only biblical baptism if it takes place as a result of saving faith. In other words, it has to happen after a person trusts Christ as their Savior. It's the only way it works. It's the only, you'll, you'll find no other example in the Bible. Remember, a person is not born saved. A person is not born believing. A person is born lost. And they become saved 
when they understand their condition, recognize their loss, repent of their sin, and place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, You and I inherited that nature, just like we inherited our blue eyes from our parents or our brown hair or whatever. We inherited our sin nature the same way. That truth is what John made the Newton uh, so clear and plainly state in his most famous hymn, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And so baptism, to be true biblical baptism, can't occur until after that change takes place in our life, after we have come to trust Christ as our Savior, been saved, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then and only then. Is it true biblical baptism? And in that second passage we read about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, we saw that very clearly, didn't we? He said, Philip said to him, you can only be baptized if you believe. Did you catch that? Look at verse number 36. As they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? I want to be baptized, Philip. And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. No place in the Bible you're going to see the order more clearly explained and and, uh, uh, put forth than you do right there. So when do we do it? After a person has trusted Christ. Finally, last question. Why do we do it? Why do we do it? Well, first of all, we don't do it in order to get to heaven. We don't do it in order to get to heaven. Baptism is not something that saves us. And we need to be absolutely clear on that point because, again, that's a place where people are confused. A person who has been baptized is not guaranteed of heaven, based on baptism alone. And a person who has not been baptized is not denied heaven, based on that fact alone. Baptism is not part of the formula, if we could use that word. And I don't like that word, but if we were to use it, it's not part of it. That we see all throughout Scripture. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. In none of those verses do we see one mention of water. In none of those verses, or in any others like them, do we see that baptism is necessary for salvation. So baptism does not save. Trusting Christ, believing on Christ, accepting Christ, that's what saves. All of those are terms that are used in the Bible to describe the faith that saves. And it's the only thing that can save your soul. There are many who have trusted Christ and never followed Him in baptism who will experience the joys of heaven because they've trusted Christ. There are many who have been very, very, very wet in the pool of baptism who will go straight to hell. Because they have never trusted Christ. It's the trusting Christ that saves, not the baptism. Think about the thief on the cross. We've all heard of the thief on the cross. We all remember the story. Jesus was baptized between two thieves, and one of them trusted him, amazingly, on the cross. He said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. I can't imagine anybody in the pages of Scripture who has a more sure, uh, a greater assurance that they're saved than the thief on the cross who the King of Kings said to him, This day you will be with me in paradise. You're saved, buddy. Why didn't Jesus say to him, You know, I, I wish I could help you, pal, but you know what? I'm pinned up here on this cross. I can't quite get to the baptismal pool right now. And so 
so sad for you. He didn't do that because baptism doesn't save. Now, that's not why we do it. We do it for several reasons. We baptize to identify ourselves with Christ. Identify. Jesus was baptized by John. I always find that an interesting passage. John's baptism was meant to indicate repentance from sin. Did Jesus have any sin? No, Jesus was sinless. And yet he was baptized by John. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was identifying himself with us sinners. He was saying, I'm one of you. Not that I have sinned, but that I have come to be one of you. Emmanuel, God with us. In the same way, when we follow the Lord in believers' baptism, we are saying, I'm with Him. I'm one of His. You know, in our country today, that might not seem like a big deal. But I'll tell you what, you go to some of the countries of the world today where people are being beheaded for their faith, imagine what it means to stand in the water and say, I'm one of His. It's an identification, a public identification. We talk a lot about publicly identifying ourselves, publicly confessing Christ as Savior. This is the biblical way we do that. We identify with Him by baptism. We also baptize to symbolize, to symbolize. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Colossians chapter 2, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. We baptize to symbolize. This is why we baptize one time backwards, not three times forward. Because we believe that those verses teach us that the actual act of baptism is picturing what Jesus did for us. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And so when we lower somebody into the water, we say, buried with him uh, in baptism. Buried in the likeness of his death. I can never remember that. Buried in the likeness of his death, and then we raise them up and raise to walk in the newness of life. It is a picture of what he did. He died, he was buried, he rose again. So we baptize to symbolize, and that's why we baptize the way we baptize. And finally, we baptize to obey. To obey. And maybe this is the most important. Wayne Grudem, in his book on Bible doctrine, said this. He said, our justification from sins takes place at the point of saving faith not at the point of water baptism, which usually occurs later. But if a person is already justified and has sins forgiven eternally at the point of saving faith, then baptism is not necessary for forgiveness of sins, nor for the bestowal of new spiritual life. Baptism, then, is not necessary for salvation, but it is necessary if we are to be obedient to Christ. For he commanded baptism for all who believe in him. You know that, right? He he commanded it. Matthew chapter 28 and verses... 18 and following. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. That's the Great Commission verse. That's that's the verse upon which our purpose statement as a church is based. We're to go and make disciples and do it everywhere and do it until Jesus comes. Well, part of the process is baptism. Do you see that? We're commanded as a church to baptize. And if we're commanded as a church to baptize, what does that mean to the new believers? Are they not also commanded to follow in baptism? Charles Spurgeon, most of you know, is one of my favorite preachers from the past, and he put it like this. He said, a thing which looks to be unreasonable and seems to be unprofitable, being commanded by God, is law, is law to me. If my master had told me to pick up six stones and lay them in a row, I would do it without demanding of him what good will it do. The very simplicity and apparent uselessness of the ordinance should make the believer say, 
Therefore, I do it because it becomes the better test to me of my obedience to my master. So when God tells me to do a thing, if I say, what for? I cannot have taken the place which faith ought to occupy, which is that of simple obedience to whatever the Lord has said. Baptism is commanded, and faith obeys because it is commanded, and thus takes her proper place. A verse that convicts me constantly, and it ought to convict us all, is when Jesus said, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? And so the absolute number one reason why we follow the Lord in believers' baptism is because it is commanded and because it is listed as the very first step of obedience for a believer. How does a person justify proclaiming obedience to Christ and ignoring the very first thing he tells us to do? We need no other argument. We need no other plea. He has said to do it. And therefore, that's the end of the discussion. Obedience. So what does this mean to you and to me? Quite simply, it means, this is not a rocket science message today, quite simply it means that those who have trusted Jesus Christ should be baptized by immersion after salvation. I don't know how to make it any simpler than that. Our text was in Acts chapter 19. When they heard this, they were baptized. That's all that needs to be said. I'll share my personal experience. My personal experience, as I have mentioned many times to those who attend here all the time, uh, I was baptized as a baby. I was baptized when I was eight days old or so in the Episcopal Church in Ravenna, Ohio. Grace Episcopal Church. But then one day, when I was 12 years old, May 3rd, 1970, I was saved in this church, right up in here somewhere. Trusted Christ as my Savior. And I learned, after a period of time, by listening to the preaching and the discipling of the pastor, who was Roy Keener at the time, was the pastor in this place. He's with God now. That I, I learned that that previous baptism wasn't really baptism, and that I needed to do it the right way. And so there was a day that I was baptized at the Christian church in Ravenna, Ohio, because we didn't have a baptistry then. We didn't have the old baptistry up here, which is no longer here, and we didn't have the new portable baptistry here today. We didn't have one, so we would go elsewhere. And I was baptized there. And I well remember the discussion in the parking lot with my Episcopal grandparents as they came and they said, What are you doing? What are you doing? You've already been baptized. Why are you being baptized again? And they did not understand. But I had not been baptized. Not scripturally anyway. And I wanted to do everything that I could to follow the Lord exactly as he said to do. Some today will take that same stand. Some, having had some previous experience, will now strive to be in conformity with the Bible and do it right. Others today will do it for the first time, having just been saved and wanting to start out right. And I say blessings upon them all. Praise God for their example and their obedience to the Lord.